Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect a Miracle podcast with Richard Roberts. I'm Richard Roberts, your host, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. I love to take you all over the world with this podcast and to meet tremendous and unusual people from everywhere. And today, two of my longtime friends, Neil and Danette Childs from Niamey, Niger, in French West Africa, where I conducted a crusade some years ago. And I want to welcome Neil and Danette. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you very thank much, you Richard. We are us. so glad to be here. Uh, to hear that American accent in Niamey, Niger. Uh, Neil, uh, I know you and Danette know the story, but, but years ago, I was... Uh, we use the word sequestered today. I was sequestered in Niger for 24 hours because of a of a plane problem. We have we were on the way from Ghana, where I'd been preaching up to London, and uh, because uh, the generator went out on the on the jet, we were uh, the the American Airlines, yes, British Airways jet we were on. We had to stop in Niger, and while I was there, the Lord spoke to me and said, "I'm going to send you here for a crusade." Well, a year or two later, that crusade happened, and you and your dear wife and your family, your mom, your dad, your dad just went home to be with the Lord, uh, helped me in that crusade. One of the greatest crusades of my life was in the nation of Niger, and I thank God. Definitely the greatest of my life. I thank God for your ministry via Abundante and all that you're doing with, with the churches that you've established and the schools. Give me a little history now. Give me a little history of, of you, because you were, you were raised in Africa, and Danette was raised in the United States. I'll get to Danette in a minute, but, but tell me about growing up in Africa. Well, my dad in 1977 moved uh, to Benin City, Nigeria. He worked along with Archbishop Benson Idahosa. And, and that's, that's where, where I met him. Me. That's where I met him. Right. And he worked with the Archbishop there for 15 years. I was growing up just as a child there. And I got to meet you when you came to do a crusade in Jos, Nigeria. And um, then my dad, when I went to ORU for, for college, dad had moved up to Niger. And that's sort of how... I went, I really got the vision to come and work with my dad up while he had transferred up into Niger here doing church planting, a much more unreached part of Africa than Nigeria was. And uh, when we finished ORU, I went on and worked for a few years with uh, another company. I was a systems engineer, but then the Lord just sort of connected me back with mom and dad. I went through Bible school with Pastor Happy Caldwell. I'm, I'm sure you know oh, Pastor course. Caldwell had preached at Agape Church before. Um, but through then, we were launched from Little Rock to come and work with mom and dad here. And so we've been here. Dad had started the work here in Niger in 1992, coming up from Nigeria. It's a church planting ministry. Danette and I joined the work in 98. When we got here, dad had eight churches, and now we have 63 churches. Wow. And we just had our meeting and are getting ready to have seven more opening in 2022. There's plans to get to... 70 churches by the end of 2022. So God is giving us victory in this land. It's predominantly Muslim, much different than Nigeria. And uh, we just thank God for all that he's uh, been able to, that we've been able to be a part of. And let me just interject. 2007 was a huge year uh, for Niger and the gospel. When you came to do the crusade in Niamey, it was nation shaking. The first ever mass evangelism crusade in Niger and I think that sort of opened the, the floodgates. Of course, now things have tightened up because of the opposition. The terrorists have gotten a lot worse. But you came right at a window where the, 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 it was prime and ready for the gospel to be preached in a mass 
crusade type way. And we'll never forget that crusade. It really shook the nation, was a big part of opening up the gospel here in Niger. Well, thank God for that, Neil. Uh, Danette, I was reading some uh, material this morning that you wrote about some experiences you had, but one particularly in a village uh, where you ministered to a woman, like the, like the woman at the well. And, and I was thinking about you and how you did not grow up in Africa like Neil did. You came from the United States. Uh, what was it like when you first touched your feet on African soil and you realized that's where you were going to live? Well, <laughs> now, just tell me straight now, okay? Don't, don't sugarcoat it. No, I'll tell you straight. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> but let me just go back a, a little bit to when I first met Neil at ORU because I came from Minnesota and had literally been nowhere. Driving from Minnesota down to Tulsa was a big deal. Like crossing state lines, I expected everything to look different every time we crossed a state border. And uh, so then I met Neil and he had, he spoke, you mentioned Pigeon English. He speaks with an African accent. He would speak to Nigerians like that. And I would be like, who is this guy? <laughs> I've heard him speak in Pigeon English. He's been on my platform before speaking in Pigeon English. Yes, yeah. yeah, no, and here when he speaks to Africans, he speaks with a Nigerian accent, so, and he doesn't even know he's doing it, and that's, here's me, <laughs> Minnesota girl coming from, you know, farmland and the cold north and all, and he was so odd that I was interested, um, but he told me, he told me from the beginning, he said, I, you know, when we were friends, he said, I'm going to be a missionary. Well, he was a business major, so... I was not concerned about that. I was like, he was straight from Nigeria. So his, you know, oddity, I figured he'd, he'd get over the missions thing. And I had a trust in the Lord and wanted to do what he wanted me to do. I just didn't know it was missions. And so fast forward to, you know, our, we dated and then the Lord opened doors and showed me things from my childhood that I said, I actually want to be a missionary in Africa and some reports I wrote that my mom had saved. So um, anyway, so then we, you know, move forward get married, you know, every year it's like, we're going to go to the mission field. Well, 1991, um, we went to Nigeria for the first time. And uh, he usually likes to tell the she story. She went for the first uh, time. I, I brought her to my home. Time. Yes. He's explaining to me how incredible his home is. Remember, I've only been to Minnesota and Oklahoma. So, <laughs> um, and now we're living in Michigan. So he's drawing me pictures and I'm seeing photos and he, and he loves it. That's his whole life. So, we go on, we get, and Trey, our firstborn, was seven weeks old, when, or nine, nine, weeks old, nine weeks old, when we went to Nigeria for the first time, my first trip. So I blame my feelings on postpartum stuff. Her first night in Nigeria, in Africa, her first night, she's crying and says, you think I can stay here for four weeks? <laughs> yeah. And that's I, I, I was home, but it, she went through a little bit of culture shock, but she got over it very quickly. Of course. I, yeah, I did. I did get over it quickly and a group two weeks later, a group from our church from Michigan um, was coming to join us. And they had that first night, those same feelings. And I was able to tell them, no, no, this place is awesome. You're going to love it. So then, you know, years later, I think it was, uh, well, 98. So it was seven years later before we moved to Niger and we did a scouting trip in 1997. And when we got here, it was hot season. That's like the worst time to be here ever in the month of May. Well, and Niger, Niger is one of the, if not the hottest country in the world. Yeah. Yeah, That's it is. Right. It's lit. I mean, you can find places that'll say it's the hottest. It's, it's not fun in May. But anyway, that's when we came to do our scouting trip. And I just remember thinking 
how am I going to bring my children to a place like this? That was the concern for me is, you know, if your children aren't going to thrive and be happy, then you're just not going to thrive and be happy no matter what you're doing. So um, I went when I left. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I have a, we had a good three week trip. We did not bring our children on the scouting trip. It was just Neil and I. And, you know, God really showed us, yes, this is where we're supposed to be. So although Danette did get sick on that trip, that scouting trip. I with did. malaria for a few days. I but... had malaria and dysentery on that three-week trip. Mm. And I have never been that sick in the last <laughs> 23 years, ever. Since our people here, the pastors and stuff, the nationals were like, there's no way she's coming back. Oh my. Well, we came back, and that and, was in 98. Yeah, and so when we came back the next year, I mean, I had to go home. I had to really pray. And I, I what the Lord instructed me to pray was that, I see Niger and see the people through his eyes. And he did exactly that. By the time we came back the next year, I was so excited to get here. I mean, I couldn't wait. Of course, we had the whole year of our support raising to prepare our children. Um, and so they prayed daily. They prayed for Niger and they prayed. Tadika's prayer every single night was she prayed that God tell people to give us money. <laughs> and praise God, he answered her prayers. <laughs> she, was, she was four years old, but you know. <laughs> that's a good prayer. We came back, and I mean, when we got here, you've been to Niame. Um, we drove from the airport. It was it was Neil's mom and myself and our two children, and he stayed with Dad at the airport to get our collect our bags. And we were driving to their house, and through the streets of Niame. And I was like, I wonder how my kids are handling this because there's camels and there's, you know, and I turned around in the seat and I said, so what do you guys think? And Trey says, oh, it's just like America. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Trey, there's a camel in the street. But really, I mean, we landed, we got in, we, they immediately went next door to the children they heard playing and the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, and our they, kids really thrived their years yeah. here. Now they're all, our youngest is in. Oh, are you right now in his third year? Our other two are married with kids and doing great. Our children really thrived on the field. And we, we, we really considered that a perk of being missionaries is that we got to raise our kids outside of the U.S. The US. And, you know, that most people think that might be a negative, but it was really a positive for us. Well, you have done and you are doing a terrific work. 63 different outreaches there in the nation and seven more coming in 2022. Also, you're involved in education through schools and we have an opportunity to partner with you in Via Bonte School there in uh, Niame. And you also have a school up in Marathi. Could you share uh, some of the stories uh, about how you got involved in, in education? Because, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we just, uh, my, my, my team member was just there. Uh, Mike Bernard was just there recently uh, with you guys, and we're showing all that video on, on our television program. Share a little bit about the schools. Well, the schools have been an incredible uh, platform for us to be able to have a voice in the community. We're going, we live in such a 98% plus Muslim in this country, but yet um, if the education is so low in the country that if we can provide a good education, the Muslims will send their kids to us to educate them. Yes. It's an incredible opportunity for influence, to be a voice, to sow seeds among the kids' lives, and even into the parents' lives. Um, our, we had started our school uh, 2004 in Marathi, and it's doing well. Well, let me interrupt for a second. You know, when we, we started, we had that vision to do a school years before, 
but we're it's not really our our neither of us are educators as educate but it was like the lord spoke to us and said you guys need to do schools in this nation and so we're like we're just us how we're not a big organization how are we supposed to start a school and it literally just dropped into our lap the 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 with the education level being so low we're talking uh at the time we came only 20 percent of adults could even read and write so we saw that this is the opportunity that we need to really take advantage of that we can come in and bring quality education and it, it ends up being a win-win. Of course, our school here in Niame that you have partnered with is really um, just an incredible platform for the gospel because we're here in the capital city and we're in an area all surrounding the capital right now. The terrorist threat has gotten so bad that we as Americans and white people are not allowed to even leave the capital city. And so schools have been shut down outside of the capital. Now, if you go over to the other region, Marathi, which is 10 hours drive away, uh, you, it's open over there, but really within hours, uh, five, a good radius of five hours drive, you can't go anywhere except remaining in the capital. So what we've done is where they've shut down these schools and the villages surrounding out in other areas, we've actually brought the kids in to live here in Niame. Uh, a lot of them are children out of our churches. Uh, uh, first, number one was our pastor's kids. We wanted to make sure they had a quality education. Other kids uh, of families in the churches that the schools have been shut down. We provide a home where they can then go to our school. So not only is our school um, reaching the Muslim families in the Ami area, but then we're also bringing in the, the children in areas that don't have education to come to our school as well. This year we have 362. I think about 40 of them are our kids that we brought in from villages. And the remaining ones are from the surrounding areas. Um, and they would all be Muslim. And they would all pretty much be from Muslim families. But because, as I said, the quality of our uh, of education is so low in the country, they're ready to receive whatever we have to give. One of our testimonies out of our Marathi school, we had the top, last year we had the top student in mathematics in the whole nation was, uh, was from our school. So that gave the Abundant a very huge uh, uh, voice and influence. And then here in Niame, we've just, with the finishing the building just now, there's, there's, it's an incredible facility that you helped us build. I don't know if Mike shared yeah, some oh, of yes, the I've, I've seen it all. I'm just about burst on the inside when I saw all those videos and photos that Mike brought back. It turned out better than I imagined. And it's really, it's beautiful, magnificently beautiful. And you have, one thing I just wanted to thank you and the partners for, your partners for, standing with us for the long project because we had some bumps in the road. We had a bad construction uh, contractor that messed some things up, but you stayed with us through all the bumps and we've now been able to open it fully finished and dedicated it to the Lord with, with Mike Bernard here with us. I saw that. And exciting. And all lots of the parents of the children came from Muslim home. I preached a message on next generations that you know that that's sort of a theme. Uh, of mine, uh, you you wrote a fo uh, uh, a comment on my book Beyond One that I wrote last year on that same topic of generational thinking. That's what's such a key for primary schools or for schools generally is that you're not just doing it for today and reaching the children of this moment, but what, you, what a school is providing a voice for the gospel that's going to go into generations. I mean, we're going to graduate this year, but we're going to graduate next year and the next year and the next year, and just continuing to bring in new children and influencing them and launching them out. And, and some of the 
testimonies are when they come back after they've been out of the school and come back and say, I remember when you told me this and, and you had influence. Uh, our director, Habibu, incredible testimonies. In fact, one testimony, I just quickly want to make sure I get in the podcast here. Um, after Mike left, I think a day or two after Mike left, so this is very recent this week. It testimony. This week, yeah. One of the children had an episode, what we think it was basically some kind of a demonic type episode, lo losing control and out of control. And the mother was called in. And when the mother saw him, she says her child does this from time to time. She will take him to the hospital. And our director said, well, I called you because I would like to take him to our church and let him let my pastor pray with him. And the mother, who's a Muslim, said, OK, let's go. And they went. The pastor ministered deliverance. The boy was set free. And, and just, just like that, I mean, that's how we're able to have a voice into the, to the community and the, the families out of Muslims are seeing the power of God, the love of God, the deliverance and healing of God's power manifested right there. So give God praise. Well, God makes a way. We've had to be a little bit um, careful, especially in the beginning, you know, because we don't want to chase people away, but we still want to, obviously we maintain our Christian witness and they know we're a Christian school. But now the the bigger we get, the more influence we have, it's almost like the parents just sort of look the other way when they see, you know, that they're praying with the students or we're telling them Bible stories. They'll come and say, either the inspectors or the parents will come and tell Habibu who tells Bible stories every single day. Um, you know you can't do that here. And he'll just, he's, Habib, I wish you could meet him, but he'll just kind of smile and nod and say, <laughs> like that. They leave and then he just continues. He keeps but they love him. They love Habib. He, he loves their children. Um, and we, one of the strategies we had a couple years ago, the Lord showed me, because I was just like, we, we can be doing more with these children. You have them so many hours in a day and they're so pliable. They're like sponges. What more can we put into them? So the Lord just gave me the idea of having a theme for the year, each year to have a theme that we focus on and, and pour into on that. So the first year, fruit of the spirit. I mean, it's out of Ephesians, but um, I mean, Galatians. Galatians and Galatians, love, joy, so peace, patience. The, spirit, the parents are not going to have heartburn over us tell it, teaching their children to have self-control and to have joy and to have peace. And so that went over. So every month we focused on a different fruit of the spirit. And then since then, Habibu has picked up that and every year he comes up with a theme. This year, we're the virtuous student, which is basically like the fruit of the spirit and all the characters of virtue. And every month we're focusing on a different virtue. And then we're seeing the testimonies. These parents are coming back and telling us the one, boy, I don't know if you saw his testimony. Um, it was in French, but he, the parent basically said, when my child came, he was turbulent. That's the word he used. <laughs> he was turbulent. And now he's obedient. He's a pleasure. You know, the pleasure. parents testify of how much the children have changed. And that's why they send their kids. They're being impacted by the love of God and, and the ministry of the, the Bible stories and sowing the, the word into their hearts. And just the spirit of God. And that's at the school because of the whole staff, of course, are Christians. And well, not that's, only, the, that's the witness that the school is bringing throughout not just Niamey, but also the whole nation. Yes. yes. Um, one, some other testimonies, Habibu, we're talking about Habibu, the director, he's so loved. The, uh, not only do the, the, the children love him, but the parents. On several, two different occasions, Habibu's called and told me, one of the parents had asked me to come, that, they, that the, the child, has, his parents have marital issues, and they're wanting him as the director of the school to come help 
with their marriage issues. <laughs> so the director of our school is helping these Muslim families with marriage issues. He has a, he has a new ministry. <laughs> he does. He does. And, oh, and the, the school has just given him a voice, a voice for the gospel to be able to minister. The national language, for those of you who don't know about Niger, the national language is French. It was a, it was a, it was colonized way, way back many, many years ago. Got its freedom back, I suppose, in the 1950s, 1960s, as I recall. Uh, the, the national language is still French, but the local language is Hausa. Uh, do you do the do the teachers teach in French? In French. In French. The, the, okay. the education language here in Niger is all done in French. Now, Hausa is the trade language, and the majority of people yeah. speak Hausa. But when you're talking education, we're trying to really train people in French and the government and all that kind of stuff operates with French. Um, but we also teach house literacy to the adults who don't speak French, but we want to still teach them how to read and write. So we do literacy courses in house. Well, when I was there uh, ministering in that crusade, I was interpreted both in French and in house. That's you, right. You yep. I said something and then it was said in French and then it was said in house. And when it got back to me, I forgot what I'd said. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Very it. Very <laughs> you did great with two interpreters. It's a, it's a tough job. Well, and then you, you're, I know you speak Hausa now. You both speak Hausa. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. I preach in Hausa. And, but the thing is, we minister with so many different people groups. I still typically have an interpreter because I might preach in Hausa and it'll be translated into Gormanche or the Fulfulde or to Tamajic or into French. Uh, do, you, do you ever preach in the Pigeon English, in the pigeon English anymore? I, I they preach them. Anytime you go say, make I preach them for English, I they break them well, well. I want to know they come out from my mouth. <laughs> the, the answer to that was yes. <laughs> I got it. With a Nigerian accent. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh. And let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Uh, what do you wish you had known 20 years ago that you know now. That's a good question. That, that, was, that, was, that was addressed to you. <laughs> no, that's a, that's quite a, that's quite a question. question. But I think in some ways, I think, um, I wish I had known that it, it's not, that it, that it being fully assured that these things are possible, not to have the doubts and the intimidations. And now looking back, I said, yes, I could have, I could have launched out. You know, I took nine years after graduating to get out of school debt and to raise support and stuff. And I look back, I could have launched out immediately. And sometimes I wish I wish I had, but you know, I, I don't know. I just think that idea of it is possible. Don't be limited by your fears or your intimidations or thinking that this is going to be harder than it really is. Cause we face a lot of challenges, but now that I look back on it, I'm like, this wasn't that hard. I could do this and I can do greater. You know, it's like, God, it, with with God, all things are possible. And just having that assurance, I think that's one thing I've learned. How about you, Jeanette? Um, I think to know that it's real similar to what Neil said, that we don't have to be afraid, um, that we have assurance, and that if he's called us to do it, God has called us to do this thing. He's going to give us the grace for every situation. I had to learn that. I, I don't know if I call it the hard way, but there's we've, we've lived in a lot of situations. We've been through a lot of stories. Uh, and, and in fact, we got to the point where we were telling stories. We're like, we don't really want any more stories. 
We have so <laughs> many, so, you know, and, but I think to realize that, that God's grace, and I learn, I learn it now. I'm so sure of it. Whatever situation I face, God is going to give me the grace. But back then, I mean, there were times in the beginning, I was like, what am I doing here? Like, why did I come here to this place? And, um, it was then that the Lord showed me in John chapter four, I believe it is where he said with the woman at the well and that whole story, my food is to do the will of my father. And I started, he just started showing me my food. Food is, we like to eat. We like food. We can enjoy it <laughs> from food. Um, and we get our strength from food. And Jesus was saying my food, all my enjoyment, all my strength comes from doing the will of father. So I realized that when I'm struggling and having a really hard time, um, I'm depressed or I'm not, I don't get depressed, but you know, discouraged, I guess. And it's the times are hard and it's too hot and I can't speak the language and all those kinds of things. I know that now the answer is that I need to go and do. And every, I can, I can testify 100% of the time when I do that, I feel better. It's just, I just feel better. But the problem is I don't a hundred percent of the time go out and do that, <laughs> but I know that that's the answer. And I think that's what, you know, knowing, and I tell people that all the time from the beginning, hey. just go do it. Well, we're a work in progress. You just got to keep striving. Yes. Serves I wanted to also interject when she talked about stories. One of the things we'd been through was back in 2015 and the, there were 72 churches burned in two days here in Yes. In Niger, and, and a lot of them, the were, news. we had many uh, churches affected out of those church burnings. And I just wanted to interject it because you actually helped send support during that time for us, not only for rebuilding uh, our main church here in Niamey, but you helped some of the key pastors that lost everything. And so I just wanted to thank you again for that and your partners, if they're hearing that, that was a huge blessing. And, and it's true when you're on the field, there's always these stories. I mean, these situations that become stories, but they're usually, or most for us, hundred percent have been stories of testimonies of God's goodness, Faithful. his faithfulness, Faithful. how we made it through. And I guess, yeah, what we know now, if we can know that on the front side of it, then it's going to, it's going to give us the confidence just to go through it a lot easier. So I've been able to tell people, new people coming, if, you know, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling discouraged, you need to go and serve somebody and you're going to feel better. I guarantee it because that's what Jesus said. That's good. Uh, this is Neil's book. He spoke of it a moment ago, Beyond One, A Generational Approach to Leadership and Ministry. I wrote uh, a little word uh, on this, on this book because it was a blessing to me. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Neil, what's your website? It's uh, R-U-N-I-N-T-L dot org, which is Run International, R-U-N-I-N-T-L dot org. We, we support uh, their ministry on a regular basis, but you, you may want to support them directly. And if you do, if you feel a heart to support missions, then go to their website, go to R-U-N-I-N-T-L dot org. If you'd like to support them directly and the, and the work in, in Niger, you could also order a copy of Neil's book, Beyond One. I believe it'll be a blessing in your life. Uh, Neil and Danette, thank you for being with me today. And would you join me in prayer right now? Father, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that I pray this prayer. I thank you for Neil and Danette and for the great work at Via Abundant there in Niger, the 63 outreaches, the schools, the lives that are being touched and changed in that precious nation of Niger. 
I thank you for a rich anointing continued upon their lives as they continue to minister and pour into the lives of others. And now in Jesus' name, I pray over you, my friend. I thank you for watching and for listening today. I pray God's richest blessing upon you. Remember, Jesus said, go into all, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The only way you can do that is to go into every man's world. And that's what Neil and Danette are doing there in that area of Africa uh, known as Niger, up in the, the, the lower end of that great desert by that tremendous river, which I've stood on the banks of that runs right through the city. And I pray over you that you feel led of God to support their ministry and be a blessing as they continue to strive toward uh, Christianity in Niger. God bless every one of you. And Neil and Jeanette, thanks for joining me today. And I'll see you next week at this same time for another outstanding podcast. God bless, and I expect him to do it. Bye-bye for now. If you would like to support this or other outreaches of this ministry, please go to oralroberts.com. We believe when you give to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, your giving will be abundantly multiplied back to you according to God's word in Luke 6, 38.